Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Disclaimer, on this episode of the show, we will be discussing sexual assault. So trigger warning if you need it. Breaking news. That's right. It's a special bonus true crimes and cocktails breaking news episode of the show. We're so glad that you're here. As always, I am your host, Lauren Ash. And as always, I am joined by my co-hostess with the most S, Christy Oxborough. How you feeling? Uh, you know, I foolishly chugged a chocolate milk before this, um, which is odd since my uh, I know that my stomach is uh, kind of wishy-washy about uh, dairy, uh, but nothing made me feel better than that opening sound. I could not be happier. I had forgotten we, that you had done a sound before. I did on the submersible episode, bonus episode we did. Now, yeah. again, that that was a news story that was gripping the nation, especially a young Ms. Christy Oxborough. Yeah. And yeah. we had to get it out there. We had to talk about it. It was of the moment. Yeah. And there's been a little something that's been going on that's the same level for me. I I like that this is just a back and forth of what's on your mind this week. Yep. I like that. What's the thing that you have to talk about? Yours was the submersible. Mine, of course, is the Danny Masterson Ashton Kutcher drama that's currently happening. I am riveted. Oh, I think yeah. it's because it also connects to that time in the like early 2000s you know what I mean which was like peak pop culture I feel like at least for me and uh there's so much to this whole thing that's going on and it's not over it's of the moment but I just felt very compelled to throw something together I stayed up very late last night crafting this and I don't have a working printer here in Toronto so I'm gonna be reading it off my phone reading my work off my phone how about it that shows how like last minute up to date it really is this is that we're that it's like don't have the proper equipment 
we're going for it. And I'll also have you know that last night I like closed the computer. I was like, I'm done. And then I get into bed. And of course, all of my TikToks are on this topic because it's what I've been Googling and whatnot. And so there's some, some things I'm going to throw in on the fly because I didn't have time to add them into the script. Uh, I'm going to add them on the fly. Uh, again, they're speculations anyway. So, you know, of but course. I think it's important to add to the conversation. So I feel like I should just jump into it. I'm very, yeah. I'm jazzed. I'm jazzed. Of course. Oh, I'm excited to be here. All right. So on September 9th, 2023, a woman named Chrissy Bixler posted an Instagram story that intrigued me. It was a screen grab of a news report about Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis and the letters of support they had written for their That 70s Show co-star, Danny Masterson, in the sentencing stage of his recent sexual assault convictions. Masterson has been convicted of raping two women and was ultimately sentenced to 30 years to life. Now, it should be noted Ashton Kutcher has an anti-child trafficking charity called Thorn, which he started with Demi Moore in 2012. Kutcher has also testified in front of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee in 2017 and has been very vocal about his passion for this cause. So some would say it was potentially a questionable move to write a letter of support for a convicted sex offender, even if he used to be friends with him. Uh, it should also be noted some of the TikTok conspiracy theories I'm seeing now are about the nature of Thorn as a charity. I guess there is a certain technology element involved that has potentially not been approved for law enforcement to use in general, but if they get contracted, they can potentially use it in these specific cases. I, again, this is a speculation. I have not had time to get into the ins and outs of whether or not that's true or to what degree, but it should be noted that Ashton Kutcher has posted photos of himself on the internet drinking out of a central intelligence uh, uh, association? The CIA. What's the A stand for? Oh, it has to be association, right? Yeah, I think so. Anyway, this is why I should have written this down, but the point is uh, <laughs> is that there is this, this kind of conspiracy theory that may be connected to some level of truth that a lot of the work that he's doing does connect to uh law, comes back to law enforcement so this anti-child trafficking thing anyway i thought that that was important uh. to note while again it is all uh alleging and whatnot um there was also a video that detailed that one of the things ashton kutcher brought up in his letter of support for danny masterson was about the work that he did post 9 11 with a charity now it turns out again i have not had time to corroborate this evidence but according to this tiktoker this charity was actually utilizing fundamental principles of Scientology, which, of course, Danny Masterson is a long, I believe, lifetime member of. Um, mm. And it was providing uh, health care through the guise of a clinic. But again, it was using the different uh, kind of ideologies that they use. For example, they do a lot of things in saunas and whatnot to kind of flush out your system. So there is some some speculation mm. and a little bit of a concern there about what exactly that charity was and why exactly Ashton felt the need to mention it in his letter of support. But again, those are the two things I wanted to add on the fly. We're going to get back to it. Kutcher and his wife Mila Kunis released a joint apology video after the fact, after releasing these letters of support, uh, in which they said they didn't think that the letters would be made public, which I have to admit has a bit of the air of a spouse explaining cheating on their partner by saying, I just didn't think I would get caught. But alas, I digress. Chrissy, 100% that's what that was. Right? It's like... Uh, to say, to not apologize for having done it, to apologize because I didn't think I'd get caught. Right. And, you know, Christina Ricci has been vocal on her social media in the in the mass of uh, 
wake of all of this basically saying like, you know, unfortunately, there there are probably going to be people in all of our lives that we love that are good people in our eyes that do bad things. And to, you know, show support of them after a conviction does feel like a bit of a bold move because, again, it's like in the eyes of the law. It's also, I just want to get this out of the way. I love that I've gone so far off script already. But it's so difficult. And if you listen to this show, you know we've talked about this. It is so difficult to get a rape case to even go to trial, Mm -hmm. let alone get a conviction. And he's gotten convicted to 30 years, which I think is important to note again that they're the only way you are getting that kind of conviction is with a pile of evidence. It's the only way. That is just the facts. Um, So again, to me, if I was in Ashton and, and, and Mila's shoes, I feel like I could have visited him in prison and said, man, you know, we have this history, whatever. I still love you, blah, blah, blah. But I'm out. Like, I'm not, like, I'm, I'm done now. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. You did this and this is it. Like, I can't support you. Um, oh, he's lucky he's if actions. he's getting a letter from me. Like, exactly. This is what I'm, I'm not, saying. I'm, yeah. No, but if they, felt, if they felt so inclined, is my point. If they felt like they sure. still wanted to whatever. I just think that the letters are, it's a, it's a bold, bold move. So Chrissy Bixler's post uh, was this screen grab about the letters of support written by Kutcher and, and Kunis, and she wrote some text of her own, which read, Dear Ashton, I know the secrets your role model keeps for you, ones that would end you. Did you forget I was there? You were on speakerphone that night you called Danny on February 21st, 2001. I heard everything. I heard the plan. In my opinion, you're just as sick as your mentor. I'm listening. There's a reason we're here right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, sec- the second half of what she wrote on the post said, Dear Mila, I pray you begin to process what you experienced as a child on that set. Your old interviews are very telling. I encourage everyone to watch them and decide for yourself what you hear and see. Do so before they get scrubbed from the internet. I also know what happened in Toronto and after. Question. If that's what you view as a normal relationship with a big brother figure... Then I feel very sad for you, and I hope you consider getting into therapy. You must all forget I was there the whole time, those first five years of that 70s show. I remember everything. So, we got a lot to unpack. I'm going to start with Danny Masterson's crimes. Um, To get everyone up to speed about that whole thing, because there's a lot of details there. He was on trial for raping three separate women. He was found guilty in two of the three cases. Chrissy Bixler, we now know, was the one of the three that he was not found guilty for. Uh, Bixler says that Masterson raped her while she slept, but it should be noted she was dating him at the time. They were in the middle of a five-year-long relationship, and as we all know, it can be unfortunately very difficult to convince juries that someone in a long-term relationship can, in fact, be raped by their partner, which is absolutely disgusting, but again, I digress. In 2019, Bixler appeared on the season finale of Leah Remini, Scientology, and the Aftermath, where she spoke about her sexual abuse experience with Danny Masterson. According to People Magazine, Bixler dated Masterson from 1996 to 2001 and said she had blacked out after drinking one glass of wine during a date night one night. She told the Daily Beast that the last thing I remember is, quote, getting up from the restaurant to go home. Complete blackout. The next day when I woke up, the back of my head hurt and I thought I'd fallen. I thought I was poisoned. I didn't know where I was. He was downstairs sitting at his desk. Bixler said when she asked Danny Masterson what took place the night before, he allegedly laughed and admitted to having sex with her when she was unconscious. 
I went downstairs and asked what happened, she stated. He just kind of chuckled. I said, I'm in a lot of pain. I was ripped. I was injured. He started laughing. He said, oh, I had sex with you last night. I said, was I unconscious? He said, yeah. Bixler claimed to Remini that she reported the incident to the Church of Scientology, where she and Masterson were both members at the time. After speaking with a church official, according to her 2017 police report, Bixler said she was told that she would be kicked out of the church if she reported the rape. Oh. Yes. Um, so, in 2019, Bixler, along with another one of Masterson's ex-girlfriends, Marie Bobette Rialis, and two other anonymous Jane Doe's, filed a lawsuit against Masterson and the Church of Scientology, accusing both parties of engaging in stalking, physical invasion of privacy, and a conspiracy to obstruct justice. Along with many other allegations, they claimed that they and their families were harassed in an effort to silence them. Chrissy Bixler has... Chrissy Bixler's husband was also a plaintiff in that case. Now, Rialis, another one of the accusers, also appeared in that same episode of Leah Remini's show, and she said that Chrissy Bixler's experience sounded a lot like her own experience with Danny Masterson. She also dated him in the early 2000s, and she did take to Twitter in 2019 saying that Masterson had, quote, repeatedly sexually assaulted her. She said, and I quote, I stayed quiet long enough. Danny Masterson repeatedly raped me. All I seek is justice and to prevent this from ever happening to anyone else, as it has for some time, my truth will be heard. So we know that Danny Masterson was under investigation over these allegations by the LAPD and the Los Angeles County District Attorney since 2017. Uh, he has repeatedly denied the claims since then. It should also be noted uh, that because of these claims, he was dropped from the Netflix series The Ranch, which he starred on with Ashton Kutcher, Ashton. as well as by his agency, UTA, uh, which is also my agency. So kudos, shout out to them for doing the right thing. Hey. But I recognize that I just threw a lot of information at you and a lot of it is out of order. So we love a timeline on True Crime and Cocktails. So I'm just going to go through one real quick before we move on. March 3rd, 2017, the first reports that publicly that Ma Masterson is under investigation over these allegations. Um, all three of the women also were reportedly Scientologists, and they claim, all claimed that they had gone to the church, and uh, the church obviously has denied this. Um, November 2nd, 2017, Danny Masterson's fourth accuser is reported. According to the Huffington Post, the LAPD began interviewing accusers in late 2016. Um, they referred to the case to the district attorney, in April 2017. So that's what came out at that point was that this was actually ongoing for a lot longer than they had originally admitted. November 16th, 2017, Chrissy Bixler comes forward, naming herself as one of the victims. December 4th, 2017, one of the accusers revealed that a Netflix executive told her to her face he didn't believe the accusations against the actor. The Huffington Post reported that a Netflix executive unknowingly told one of Masterson's accuser that higher-ups at the company didn't think the allegations were credible. Netflix later confirmed to the Huffington Post that Andy Yateman, who was then the director of global kids' content, made those, quote, careless and uninformed comments, but noted he was not initially aware that the woman he was speaking to was one of the accusers. Yateman was later fired. The next day, December 5th, 2017, Netflix fires Danny Masterson from the ranch. December 20th, 2017, 
uh, Marie Bobette Riales comes forward publicly as being one of the accusers. January 4th, 2018 is when UTA, the United Talent Agency, cuts ties with Danny Masterson. August 12th, 2019, uh, so a big jump there, uh, is when the four accusers sued both Masterson and the Church of Scientology, as I mentioned before. June 17th, 2020, another jump in time. Danny Masterson is finally officially charged with raping three women. So keep in mind, these investigations started in 2016, went public in 2017, and it still took years before the official charges came forward. He was charged with three counts of rape by force or fear. He was arrested later that morning and then released a few hours later after posting bond. He was scheduled for arraignment on September 18th, 2020. Prosecutors declined to file sexual assault charges against Danny Masterson in two other cases, one because it had insufficient evidence and the other was based upon a statute of limitations for that alleged crime. October 19th, 2020, an L.A. judge ruled that Danny Masterson's rape case would move forward. November 2nd, 2020, his arraignment was pushed to January 6th, 2021. On January 20th, Danny Masterson pled not guilty to the rape charges. He was not present in court. His lawyer was the one that entered that plea. May 18th, 2021, Danny Masterson posts on Instagram from a courthouse. He shared a smiling selfie with his wife, Bijou Phillips, in a now-deleted Instagram post, which he wrote the following caption, had the most beautiful Uber driver drop me off at school today. He tagged the location as courthouse. How fun, as you're about to walk in mm. to listen to some uh, women that very same day, I will add. The first of the accusers took the stand to describe what happened that same day. So real fun that you're being so light and glib about it. Um, the Associated Press reported that this woman told the judge that she was drugged at Danny Masterson's house and woke up with him raping her. She tearfully explained she went up to his house to pick up a, care of, a pair of keys from him on April 25th, 2003, but uh, was convinced to join him and some mutual friends for some drinks. She said about 20 minutes after she accepted a vodka mixed drink from Danny Masterson, her vision became blurry. The actor pushed her into a jacuzzi. She went on to detail her rape experience after he had brought her upstairs, put her in the shower where she vomited, and then put her on his bed where the incident happened. She said she was too weak to fight him off in the moment. She said her memory comes to her in flashes, but that he pulled her hair and threatened her with a gun after she made attempts to get away. May 19th, 2021, so that's the next day, uh, the next of the accusers took the stand. Um, we know now that this accuser was, in fact, Chrissy Bixler. Uh, she talked about how five years into their relationship, she was drugged and sexually assaulted by Masterson. This is a quote. I tried pushing him off of me and saying, no, I don't want to have sex with you. He wouldn't stop. So I did something that I knew would make him angry and likely to get off me. I pulled his hair. He had these rules. No touch hair rule no touch face rule he had this thing about his hair so i knew if i really pulled it really really hard he would get off of me but what he did instead was hit me she went on to continue to say that a month later he also raped her when she was unconscious may 20th the day after that the third accuser takes the stand in court about her experience uh so she said that he demanded she come to his house one night and told her to take her clothes off and she said that she listened because she didn't want any violence to take place 
She said she didn't want things to escalate. She said she was giggling, saying, no, I really don't want to do that. But she listened to what he told her to do that night because of his position of authority he held um, in the Church of Scientology where she was a member at the time. And she felt like she didn't have the ability to fully say no. So it's May 21st, 2021 that the Los Angeles judge said, guess what? Danny Masterson is going to stand trial. This preliminary hearing, of course, uh, was giving a lot of compelling evidence, obviously. October 11th, jury selection begins. There was concern that there would be prejudice against him because of the public's, you know, uh, divided stance on the Church of Scientology. And of course, this was also in the thick of the Me Too movement. Uh, October 18th, a week later, opening statements begin in the sexual assault trial. The deputy attorney, the detri- excuse me, deputy district attorney, Reinhold Muller, took the podium and did a two-hour, 15-minute opening statement. He detailed those accusations they had heard in the, the preliminary trial. All of the women were identified by their initials. Um, following these statements, Masterson's lawyer, Philip Cohen, spoke to the courtroom and talked about how the women were cross-contaminated because they apparently all talked to each other before talking to the LAPD. He also claims the stories were inconsistent and lacked photo evidence. October 19th, 2022, the next day, the first witness, who preferred to be identified as Jane Doe number 1, broke down in tears, uh, retelling her story. Um, she was the one who talked about an incident that happened in the jacuzzi. Uh, two days later, on October 21st, that wit- same witness, Jane Doe number one, said that she feared retaliation from the Church of Scientology for testifying against him. She was uh, noting that she was concerned they would go after her three children, uh, which is part of the reason she filed that lawsuit in 2019 as a way to sue for peace rather than money. Um, she said in court she left out some details in her initial police report in 2004 because she was trying to protect the church and its officials. October 24th, the second witness testifies in the trial. Um, That was Chrissy Bixler. She talked about the no hair touch rule that she mentioned before. She elaborated saying that Masterson smacked her across the face with his fist, spit on her, and called her white trash. November 2nd, the third witness, who preferred to be identified as Jane Doe number two, took the stand uh, describing a violent rape um, after he ignored her repeated pleas. Once again, this also happened in the jacuzzi, just like with Jane Doe number one. He ordered her like a drill sergeant to take her clothes off, poured her a glass of wine. Um, She says that she was then raped in the shower and in the bedroom. May 31st, 2023, Danny Masterson is, of course, convicted of two counts of rape. Uh, That was reported by the Los Angeles Times. The jury deliberated for seven days. The third count did result in a hung jury, which was Chrissy Bixler's account. Um... In the moment, it's reported that Danny Masterson did not register much of a reaction to the verdict in court, but family members were fighting back tears, and his wife, Bijou Phillips, also began to cry. He was handcuffed and immediately sent to jail. On September 7th, 2023, so this is up to the moment, Danny Masterson got his sentence of 30 years to life. Um, of course, at that sentencing hearing, as we all know, uh, the two women that he was convicted of were able to give victim impact statements. So this was both Jane Doe number one and number two. Uh, one of the victims said, when you rape me, you stole from me. That's what rape is. It's a theft of the spirit. Another quote was, you are pathetic, disturbed, and completely violent. The world is better off with you in prison. Um, the other victim said that she knew he belonged behind bars for the safety of all women he came into contact with 
And she then apologized, saying, I'm so sorry and I'm so upset. I wish I had reported him sooner to the police. Heartbreaking, devastating, but ultimately yes. amazing to hear people get justice. These women get justice for these crimes. So now that we've got all of that out of the way, I've given you the full gamut of the Danny Masterson trial. Let's go back to the original inspiration for this episode, which of course was that original Instagram story Chrissy Bixler posted. So what exactly did she mean by saying to Ashton Kutcher in the post, you were on speakerphone that night, you called Danny on February 21st, 2001. I heard everything. I heard the plan. Well, as many people know, and I believe I ironically recently may have mentioned this on the show. I'm not sure if it was on a main feed episode or a Patreon episode, but uh, February 21st, 2001 was the night that Ashton Kutcher went to pick up Ashley Ellerin, a 22-year-old fashion design student in her Hollywood home for a date. She had been murdered shortly before he arrived. At her murder trial, Kutcher testified he was late to pick her up and she didn't answer the door when he got there. He said he looked inside a window to see blood stains that at the time he said he thought were simply spilled red wine. What actually was the case in that moment was Ashley Ellerin's body was laying just outside the entrance to her bathroom and she wasn't found until about 9 a.m. the next morning when her roommate, Jennifer DeSisto, returned to their rented bungalow that they shared on Pinehurst Road in Hollywood. Paramedics pronounced Ellerin dead at 9.28 a.m. on February 22nd. She had been stabbed 47 times. Oh. 12 of the wounds were considered fatal on their own. There were numerous defensive wounds on her hands and right forearm. Uh, Ashton Kutcher later told police and testified in court that he had last talked to Ashley Ellerin at 8.24 p.m. on the 21st to confirm their plans. They were supposed to attend a Grammys after party together. He called her again shortly after 10 p.m. when he was on his way to get her, but she didn't pick up. He knocked on her door around 10.45, he said. There was no answer. He peered through the window, recalling to him what he thought was spill red wine. Her car was in the driveway, but he thought that she might be mad at him because he was so late and was just purposely not answering or perhaps had gone out with a friend, so he chose to leave. Now, Kutcher said in court that he was dating someone else when he first met Ashley Ellerin, so he introduced her to a buddy of his, and the two of them briefly dated. However, he went to Ellerin's home about two weeks before the night she died for a housewarming party. They both found themselves single and decided to make plans to hang out together. So let's get in a little bit more detail about the timeline on the night of the murder. Because to me, I'm like, this is odd. Like you're calling her at 10 and then you're showing up at 1045 and you're not calling again. What's up? So on, on February 21st, the original plan was for him to pick her up at 8 p.m. But he was invited to watch the Grammys at a friend's house. So he said, uh, this was what he testified in court, he called Ashley Ellerin around 7.30 p.m. to tell her he'd be later than 8 o'clock. He then called again to keep her posted on his whereabouts. He left a voicemail, and then she called her back, called him back from her roommate Jen's phone, saying their house phone wasn't working. This was the 8.24 p.m. phone call. She told him she was just out of the shower and was going to dry her hair. This is important. Mm -hmm. So his lateness wasn't a problem. Because it was 8.30, doesn't matter, I'm, I'm still not ready. Uh, one of the first detectives on the scene later recalled seeing a blow dryer, blow dryer sitting on the toilet seat in her bathroom. So according to Ashton Kutcher, shortly after 10 p.m., he called to say he was on his way over, but there was no answer. So he decided not to go straight there because he didn't want to just show up without touching base. He never gets into what he did in that time, but says that he got there at 1045 
And he does say that he tried opening the door and it was locked. Talking to police the next day, as he recalled in court, he was admittedly freaking out because when he had heard that Ashley was found dead, he knew that his fingerprints would have been on the door handle. He said that the next morning when he found out she had been murdered, he immediately called the police to give them all of the details. In the moment in court, uh, the defense attorney, Daniel, Daniel Nargoni, sorry, Nardoni, humorously was like, don't worry, you're not a suspect. I don't know if it's funny, guys, but that's just me. So who was a suspect? I'll get into that in a minute. But what exactly is the implication Chrissy Bixler is making in that Instagram story? That perhaps Ashton opened the door, saw Ashley's body, panicked and left? Well, I'll have you know, I pulled up a 3D rendering of the inside of that house. I mean, never do I ever think I'm going to hear, I've pulled up a 3D rendering. Um, it was a shock to I me knew, too. But I knew if I'm ever going to hear it, it's going to be from you. And it's going to be here on this show. Absolutely. Of course. So the way that the layout is, and I'll post this on our socials, uh, True Crime and Cocktails on Instagram, you go there. So he's at the door. To his left, there is a window. Okay. And it's kind of one of those things where if you walk in and turn left, you're going to go through a room and then it's like it appears that there's a couple stairs up to where the bathroom is, which is where her body was found. Okay. Judging by the angle, is it possible that maybe he could have seen some piece of her body from that window? I don't know. Again, am I thinking about like, do I need to visit this house? I'm not going to. But, you know, I'm like, it's unclear to me. But what I will say is this. If you opened that door a crack and stuck your head in, you absolutely would have seen her body. So just putting that out there. Um, could he have seen her body through the window? Again, I don't, I don't know. I can't speculate. But certainly by the layout, absolutely. He wouldn't have even had to like step into the house. It literally would have been like you lean your head in and you could, you could have seen it for context. Mm-mm. So my questions are, when her roommate came home the next morning, Was the door locked? Why does that matter? Uh, Oh, also, was it a lock that you could lock and then walk out? Like you didn't have to put a key in? Like these are the questions that I have. And I know what you're thinking. Why does that matter? Well, Ashton Kutcher was the key witness in that murder trial, which did lead to a conviction. And if it turns out he was lying, that could be a real issue in terms of that case being able to be thrown out of court. Yeah. And it's especially an issue since the killer, Michael Gargiulo, was sentenced to death because it turns out he was a serial killer. Michael Gargiulo, side note, I'm going to call him Michael because his last name just doesn't trip off the tongue. Of course. In 2019, Marco, Michael Gargiulo, a.k.a. the Hollywood Ripper, was convicted of murdering two women. Ashley Ellerin, as we know, in 2001, and Maria Bruno in 2005. Michael is currently 47 years old. He also attempted to kill another woman, Michelle Murphy, in 2008. However, she survived that attack, and that her surviving that attack is ultimately what led to him being connected to these other murders. There was DNA collected, what have you. Uh, so really, that blew up his spot completely. It should be noted he was separately charged with killing an 18-year-old Illinois woman, Trisha Picaccio, whose father found her 
fatally stabbed on their family's doorstep with her house key still in her hand in 1993. It should be noted that Michael was 17 at the time of that murder and a very close friend of Trisha's brother. So, obviously, if he came upon her, it wouldn't have been abnormal. She wouldn't have panicked. She wouldn't have run, I'm sure, if it's a familiar close friend. The idea of finding your child laying on your doorstep with their keys in their hand still is a level of tragic that I don't know how to wrap my head around. Yeah. Michael has also been referred to as the boy-next-door killer and the chiller killer, as he worked as an air conditioning repairman. He Uh stabbed Michelle Murphy multiple times at her Santa Monica home before she bravely fought him off and survived the attack. A diagram shown to the jury in that case indicated how close Michelle lived, lived to Michael at that time. It said that he would watch, shadow, stalk, and hunt down his victims, who all lived nearby wherever he was living at the time of each crime. He would stab them, it's believed, for sexual pleasure. And he definitely used that exact same MO in the murders of Ashley Ellerin and Maria Bruno. 32-year-old Maria Bruno was found stabbed to death in her home in El Monte, California in 2005. She had recently moved into that apartment she was in literally 10 days prior. She had just split with her husband. And according to 48 Hours, they reported that she chose this specific building because it was known for having good security which is heartbreaking. Now, the details I am about to recount are particularly graphic. Uh, Trigger warning if needed. Skip ahead. These are, I'll say it, they're brutal. So, Maria was found by her recently estranged husband, Irving Bruno. Uh, She was in her home in a pool of blood. He called 911, where he informed the operator that her breasts had been cut off, her implants had been removed, and one of her nipples had been placed over her mouth. God. I think that's one of the worst things I've heard on this show. Uh, we've heard a lot, but that one has chilled me to my core. Um, the other thing that chills me to my core is she was a mother of four children under five. And how truly tragic and disgusting that this man uh, took a mother away from those children. Back to Ashley Ellerin. She was found stabbed to death in the hallway outside her bathroom. We know she was stabbed over 47 times. It's reported she was almost decapitated. Some of the wounds were up to six inches deep. Now, some say that it was believed she was attacked while in the shower. But that's, if we're to believe Ashton Kutcher's testimony, she told him on the phone she had just gotten out of the shower. So to me, the attack could have, would have, I mean, it could have still happened in the bathroom, but... It didn't happen in the shower unless she took a shower, spoke to Ashton Kutcher, and then got back in the shower, which I don't believe. Doesn't make sense. No. No. So it's been noted that Michael Gargiulo injected himself into Ashley's life. He had changed a tire for her. He had fixed her furnace. He even crashed a party at her home because he lived nearby. Uh, Somehow he managed to get a copy of the key to her apartment. It's believed that he let himself in that night but my question is did he lock the door behind him or did he leave it open oh yeah we need to know he claims the door was locked and he couldn't get in we need to know was it actually locked exactly yeah so michael gargiulo was living a double life he was a husband and a father on one hand where he worked this job and lived a normal mundane life but on the other hand he was obviously stalking attacking and killing women and he was able to go undetected for almost 15 years Now, 
DNA evidence that was collected at Michelle Murphy's apartment not only led to his arrest in June 2008 for that attack on her, but that was what linked him to the Ashley Ellerin and Maria Bruno murders. Uh, He was indicted for those killings just two months later. A blue surgical booty with a few drops of Maria Bruno's blood on it was found outside her front door, and they were managed uh, to get DNA from its elastic band uh, that would have been around his ankle, basically, and that did match Michael's DNA. Oh, I love that for him. Yep. They also found similar booties, which he apparently wore for his job, which is not uncommon. If there's you're going into someone's home, you know, repairmen will often carry those in their in their toolboxes. They found those exact same ones in his attic when they searched his home. Feels like it's a pretty out yeah. of the park uh, match for that. Now, it should be noted, DNA had been collected from under Trisha Picaccio's nails when she was murdered in 1993. And then it turns out, of course, it matched Michael's. However, what I learned was that it had already been matched in 2003. Oh. Her parents had been told at the time that the DNA wasn't enough to charge him for murder because it could have been from, quote, casual contact. It's very sad to me that Maria's Bruno's life, the one of the most heinous murders I think I've ever heard about, could have been saved in 2005 had the police arrested him in 2003 when that DNA match came through the system. Um, Yes. Could have also saved Michelle Murphy from a horrific attack that left her both physically and mentally scarred for life. It's also the fact that he was long suspected by police in the killing of Trisha Picaccio, but they said they could just never put together enough evidence to charge him with the murder until the attack on Michelle Murphy 15 years later, which linked him to Ashley and Maria's murders, and then it connected the connection, like, well, I guess there's a there's some more murders that have been done, so now we can give, we can connect it and charge him. I just think it's so, I mean, listen, we hear about it all the time on this show, but it's, it's so sad to me that, again, you could have saved a life, and also, again, saved Michelle Murphy from having to go through that yes. horrific experience. He was found guilty of first-degree murder in both Ashley and Maria's cases, and he was found guilty of attempted murder in Michelle's case. The sentencing was delayed by procedural issues in the pandemic, and it came nearly two years after his conviction, in which uh, the jury had recommended execution. He spoke before his sentencing uh, in court, angrily complaining his lawyers prevented him from taking the stand in his defense. He said, quote, I'm going to death row wrongfully and unjustfully. Um, He showed no visible reaction to his sentencing. He did say, I did want to testify and my fundamental choice was blocked. Now, as we know, putting a killer on the stand, never a good idea. Lawyers don't want to do it. It would not have helped him. Um, This to me is just the narcissism coming through. Believing that he was smarter and he could have convinced everyone it wasn't him. It should be noted he is unlikely to be put to death anytime soon. California has not executed anyone since 2006 and government, uh, sorry, Governor Gavin Newsom has halted executions as long as he's been in office, but courts still uh, will give out that sentence, proceeding on the assumption that executions may one day resume in the state. Who's to know? What's next on the list for him is that he is expected to be extradited to Illinois for the 1993 killing of Trisha Picaccio. Prosecutors in his California trial were allowed to present evidence from that case as they sought to establish a pattern and present, present him as a serial killer. He could face another 25 years to life if convicted in that case as well. A not-so-fun fact within a side note. Mm-hmm. At the time of Ashley Ellerin's murder, Michael was living at 1759 North Orchid 
Avenue. That address sounded so familiar to me. I stayed at a hotel for one fateful night in 2007, and I looked it up, and the address was 1753 North Orchid Avenue, literally two doors down. Oh, my God. I didn't sleep that night because the window in my bathroom had no lock on it, and it was large enough and on the ground floor that someone could literally have just hopped up and entered into the unit from the outside. I left the next, I literally didn't sleep that night. I le- I complained. I was like, I needed another room. And then I just decided, you know what? I'm just going to go somewhere else. So I left the next day and found a different hotel. Now, at the time, it's likely he wasn't living at that exact address. As we know, he lived near Michelle Murphy the next year in 2008. But I believe the energy was off in that place. I felt it. And it should also be noted, he climbed in through windows, both in Michelle Murphy's case and in Maria Bruno's case. Um, which chills me to my core as I was in a room that could have been accessed the same way, living two doors away. So, what a wild synchronicity I want no part of. Oh, God. Nope. So back to Ashton Kutcher. Now, conspiracy theorists have already taken to the internet saying perhaps his story was being covered up by the LAPD, who allegedly cover up crimes for Scientologists all the time, and due to his close relationship with Danny Masterson, who is a devout member of the church, uh, that meant perhaps Ashton's panicked phone call uh, that night could have been real. Um, a man named Aaron Smith Levin made a video on YouTube seven months ago telling the story of what he believed happened that night of Ashley Ellerin's murder. He has a YouTube channel called Growing Up in Scientology. And I should note, he states everything on that show without using terms like speculating, allegedly. He's like, it's a fact. This is a oh, fact. This is what hey. happened. And I it was really shocking to me. And then later in the recording, he said, I know that I'm doing that. And I'm doing that because I want him to sue me. Because if Ashton Kutcher sues me for defamation, then all of the people who know the truth can be deposed and the truth will come out. And I was like, that's a compelling argument, sir. I'm not saying I believe him or wow. don't. But it was just very passionate that he was deliberately yeah. saying, I know this is fact and I welcome it if you sue me. That is ballsy. Yep. So he says he knows for a fact through people connected to this whole thing that Ashton walked in that night, saw Ashley's body, panicked, turned, left, and sat in his car for an hour. He called his team, meaning his agents and managers and whatnot. Uh, They said not to call the police and advised him to go to the party that he and Ashley were supposed to go to by himself. That 70s show was only a couple of years old at that time. Allegedly, his team told him they didn't want this to ruin his career or overshadow his career. Um, Mm -hmm. Then, according to this man, Aaron, Ashton called Danny Masterson, which does align with what Chrissy was alluding to in her story. The one thing I will say that doesn't make sense to me in Ashton's story is him saying he could have gotten to her house at 10, but he didn't because he hadn't heard back from her again. So he just... I don't know, wasted 45 minutes of time before showing up and knocking on the door. I guess my question is 45 minutes doing what? Where? Is it possible that the timeline isn't exactly what he said it was? Is it possible that the police could have used that change in timeline to help prove their case? He said the last time he spoke to her was 824. At some point between 824 and 1045, we know she was murdered. Is it possible 
he could have even walked in on the killer in the act. Is it possible he changed his timeline saying he drove around for 45 minutes because he didn't want to admit that he had maybe seen something? Now, I haven't heard anyone allege or speculate anything about that, and I'm not saying I think that that happened either. I'm just trying to work through all the potential possibilities in this situation. Um, It should also be noted that the timeline was integral in the prosecution's case for uh, Ashley's murder. And so... The stakes are just very high. The last thing that we want is this being made public and then it causing a mistrial. We don't want this man to get out of prison. Correct. So, yes, Aaron Smith-Levin goes on to say that he knows Ashton is a liar. He says he also knows more dirt about Ashton. Not that there's anything as bad as this potential lying to the police about this timeline, But he does start to suggest that there is a Scientologist named Luke Watson who was involved in many of the stories surrounding Danny Masterson's crimes and that his name also comes up in connection with a lot of things Ashton Kutcher was doing around that time as well. Now, Aaron doesn't elaborate on what else those other potential situations were or were not, but just that it feels like there is a common thread with this kind of group of guys that was running together around that time. Now, I just have to say very quickly... All of this is obviously uh, deeply compelling, fascinating. That's why we're here. Yeah. What I want to talk about now is what I'm most personally invested in, which was the second half of Chrissy Bixler's Instagram story about Mila Kunis. She mentions she knows what happened in Toronto and after. She then alleges that it evolved Danny Masterson because she referred to If that's what you view as a normal relationship with a big brother figure, I feel very sad for you. Mila referred to Danny Masterson as, quote, an outstanding role model and friend and, quote, an exceptional older brother figure in the letter that she provided to the court asking for leniency in his sentencing. So this made me go all bite. Chrissy in her post said, look up the old interviews with Mila Kunis from the beginning of that 70s show. Take a look. So I did. I'd like to list some of the more disturbing moments I witnessed. Danny Masterson is in an interview with Mila Kunis where he says, quote, she was hot as shit. Mila dryly responds, I was 14. Danny responds, at 14 she was even hotter. I'm not allowed to say that. And laughs. In an interview with Ashton uh, Kutcher and Mila Kunis on The Rosie O'Donnell Show, Ashton describes he and Mila working together and having to kiss on screen when she was 14 and he was 19. They go on to regale the audience with a charming story of Danny Masterson offering Ashton $10 to slip Mila the tongue. Now, it should be noted that Mila talks in this interview about how she had never kissed anyone before that day. She said she was, and this is her own wording, extremely scared for her life. She describes herself as, these are her words, a 14-year-old little girl. And then Ashton defended this saying, well, if you're boyfriend and girlfriend, you'd use tongue. She was 14. You pervs. Yes. It should also be noted that uh, there was another where Mila Kunis was doing a promo video for that 70s show. And then as she's talking, Ashton Kutcher kind of leans into frame beside her, which reveals that she had been sitting on his lap the whole time. And then he kind of makes a joke about, 
that he was only making the promo to get her to sit on his lap. And they start laughing and he exclaims, and it feels good as he's like got his arms around her, like jokingly, like holding her, not letting her go. And then, of course, the final one that has been in the news over the past couple days, Ashton Kutcher talking about Hillary Duff um, in a clip where he said she's one of those girls we're all waiting to turn 18, along with the Olsen twins. He was 25 when he made that comment. For those who didn't grow up in the horror show known as the late 90s, there was numerous countdown clocks set, uh, set online counting down the days, minutes, and seconds until the Olsen twins become of legal age. It's disgusting, and in a way, I think we're all broken, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah. So I want to make it clear to say this. I don't know what may or may not have happened to me, Lacunas, in Toronto. And I would never want her traumas to be made public if she did not consent to that and she didn't want that. But my hope is simply that if she is not aware that these things that she experienced publicly that we've all seen when she was a child were wrong and not okay, that she will learn that uh, it wasn't okay. And I really wish her well on whatever journey she is on. It's not our business. I do think it's unfortunate that it's been made public and it is now in the, the forefront of people's minds because it could be tied to a lot of trauma for her. We don't know. But ultimately, again, I just wish her all the best in this because it feels, again, when you're 14 and you're brought into this whole world and these are all the things that are going on, you don't really stand much of a chance. So, did Ashton Kutcher walk in and see Ashley Ellerin's body? Did he call Danny Masterson panicking? According to some, he did. And this would mean that he lied to the police. We may never know the truth, but I have a feeling if there is a hidden truth, it will probably come out, as these things always tend to do. We'll keep you updated if the story unfolds. Reporting for True Crime and Cocktails, I'm Lauren Ash. First of all, I would, I'm going to say, hot damn, Lauren Ash. <laughs> for someone who came to me yesterday and went, I think we should do this. And then, like, hours later, I've written some pages. Yeah, I took a, I went at a, at a speed that I've never gone before. But listen, it feels yeah. like it paid off. Feels like a yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. Just a couple of thoughts. Um, nothing terrifies me like Scientology. Sure. The power of it, the people behind it, all of it. It's why, and I think we've stated this publicly before. It's why we've never done any episode. We don't talk about it involving Scientology because yep. no thanks. No, nope. we don't. We're not going to be a beacon to have them come over. Not interested. Nope. Scientology. A bye bye. You're yep. safe from us because we're not interested in your terror show. Nope. Um, the idea that Danny Masterson uh, most likely allegedly because um, I fear being sued unlike that other person um, drugged like put something in his girlfriend's glass of wine while they're at dinner to make her black out. The fact that she's your girlfriend and just having sex with her isn't enough it's you want her unconscious for the sake of like i don't know i'm assuming the control of it all but you're broken sir yeah because there's like sex games you can do which of course totally. i'm not going to get into <laughs> where both partners are consenting yes and everyone has a good time all of that great more power to you 100 percent. but when your whole thing is them being unconscious you're fucking disgusting, man. Yep. Like that's, you're broken. And I'm not saying that in a jokey way. I'm saying that in a, 
get help. And yeah. what has your wife experienced? I has know. She, is she another victim who had something like this happen, but was like, he's my husband, he loves me, whatever? Or has she never had anything like that happen because he always saved that for people he didn't care as much about? It is possible. We've There is, of course, we've seen both, right? Like in terms of the MOs of abusers, there are the abusers that would continue that abuse into their marriage, but there's also ones that it's like, that's sacred, and then they can seek it out in different ways. Yeah. I mean, again, like like this serial killer where it's like he had a wife and a child. You know, we we see that with serial killers too, where like that part of their life may have been fairly normal, which again is absolutely chilling. Oh, I even wrote a married father being a serial killer for 15 years before being caught is horrifying. I'm uh, also convinced that there's probably it. more bodies. I think that he's probably killed more women and we just oh, haven't yeah. had him connected to them in some way or another oh a hundred percent because it's not there's such a big time frame in between some that it's like oh there's some in there yeah that we just don't know about yeah I, and again no. he started when he was 17 yeah it's, it's not like you know it doesn't feel like a season like he this went on into into what the most recent was well he was caught 2008 don't make me do the math but my point is i believe that was 17 till you know his 30s ish yeah i mean it's, it's a chunk of time and i think again yes. the fact that's also so creepy is that he had this job that allowed him to get access to people's homes yeah yeah i don't care for that nope because uh, then you're like if you were starting this at 17 you knew enough to get into a business that would allow you access to people's homes premeditated that, deeply it's a, it, yeah it's horrifying to even think about that a 17 year old is capable of that but would also have the forethought of i need some i need easier access yep i oh god um my stomach turns at the phrase no hair touch rule yeah i already said he was controlling and i go back there also your hair danny fuck off get out of here um, the line, it's a theft of spirit. I know. Is soul crushing. Um, Ashton claiming he, well, he didn't want to show up unannounced. Fuck right off. You were supposed to show up two hours ago. Yep. You didn't. And then you're like, the last you heard, the last she heard from you, supposedly, she you it was like yeah i'll be on my way and you knew she was getting ready at 8 30 it's like by 10 she's probably ready at well, the very least just... show up and be like hey i'm sorry i'm incredibly late yeah and i think i guess i can understand the rationale of like oh i wanted to touch base with her again before i picked her up but i don't know there's just something off about that detail like you know, you know as well as I do. Anytime something feels nebulous in some sort of testimony, it's like where there's smoke, there's fire. Again, yep. my concern is, is that, like, I don't think that he had any, I don't think he did this crime. Like, I, that's the last thing I'm insinuating. Right. I don't think he had anything to do with this crime. There's no, I mean, that would be wild. And by the way, someone else has already found, been found guilty for that crime. Right. The problem becomes to me that it's like, now this is getting all this attention. 
it's terrifying to think about them having to reopen this and reinvestigate him and then it possibly fucking with the with that conviction that's terrifying this man is a serial killer yeah so it's don't fuck with police and court and then it's you know the question being did the police know there's also that theory that's floating around, right? That it's like, well, the police actually do know the truth, but they're helping him cover up because it because it benefited their timeline. I'm not saying that that's true. We've heard stranger things is only my point. You know what I mean? Like, it wouldn't be the first time that a cop stepped aside and did something for the sake of a famous person. It's just also interesting that like he talks about, well, I drove around for 45 minutes or I, I, he doesn't even say what it was. He just said like, I didn't go straight there. I didn't get there till 1045. And then in this mm. opposite account, Chrissy and, and this, this Aaron gentleman's account, they're talking about he had this happen and then he sat in his car for an hour. So it's just interesting to me that it's like, so did you actually get there at 10 and open the door and see her at 10 and then sit in your car for an hour? I don't know. I mean, the idea that he potentially saw her body, left, and was like, I'm freaked out. I mean, obviously. Um, And then, oh, my God, what am I going to do? I need someone to, you know, it's like, I mean, I get that you barely knew her, so you didn't care about her. But I also understand that you were a famous person at the time. But you you see someone who's clearly murdered call 911 how do you know she's dead oh and that oh and that's a great oh that's another great point but it's like you don't want to go in the scene you don't want to touch anything whatever don't Understood. do that i yeah. agree with that keep out of there you, absolutely you open the door you see her step back out call the fucking police yes Go to your car even. You you don't know if you're in danger, if the person is still there. Like, I can respect not lingering in the space if that was the, the, the deal. But sure. yeah, you gotta... Oh, yeah. See, oh. but that this is why I think this is really... This is really interesting, people, is because it unravels so quickly that it's like, oh, 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 God. Like, the more you think about it, it's like, oh, wow, she could have still been alive. Yeah. Oh, I hope she, he she is haunted uh, for life. I really do. If, I should preface that, if he did yes. walk in and see her body and then and back out it. and cover his ass, I uh, I really hope that haunts him for the rest of his life. And the fact that if he had shown up on time, he probably could have saved her. Well, Would the guy have come back another day? Probably, but still. He would have saved her in that moment if he had shown up way back when he was supposed to at eight. Yep. So if he saw her body and lied to the police about it, I hope it haunts him. I don't know but how it but, couldn't. But, but only if in that case. Yes. Uh, again, I was also... this is all a speculation. We don't know. We're literally judging this by like two people's accounts who yes. we, we have to call out like, we don't know. We don't know. Yeah. I mean, I mean, of all of it, kudos to the women who came forward about Danny Masterson. Yes. That slimy piece of shit. So kudos to them. Um, what I will say, Ashton Kutcher, um, 
I will never forgive him for how he treated Demi Moore. Right. Uh, I, re I read her book. It's uh, stuff about him is heartbreaking and what he did to her. So he's been dead to me since I read that book. So piece of trash. Um, Mila. I guess I expected more as a as a woman and as a mother of a young girl. I expected more from her. I will never get over this whole we're going to write statements so that, you know, they're lenient on him because, oh, he's such a good guy. It's like, I don't care what he's been like with you. After being convicted of what he's done to those women, he could be the nicest guy in the world to you, even though based on the interviews that you brought up, he probably wasn't. She just, you know, didn't know any better and at the moment thought that was normal and that was okay and whatever, but... Oh, God. Um, the only other thing I wanted to mention, you said uh, a two-hour opening statement. And so I wrote, to the people who dislike our opening banter, it could be worse. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, also, uh, Danny Masterson, you're a piece of trash. Yep. And uh, I had heard, I did not know about this at the time, like back when it was happening, but I had heard recently that um, apparently back in the, the That 70s Show days, people gave Topher Grace a hard time because they were like, you're not, you know, being super supportive of your fellow cast and you're not like BFF with with all these guys and it was just I just want to shout out to Topher Grace for potentially getting that it's like oh he's a piece of shit and I'm back I'm distancing myself it does feel interesting that that was always the narrative that it was like oh he wasn't friends with everybody he kept to himself whatever and then we're kind of seeing well listen the words in those interviews speak for themselves to me you know, you're hotter when you're 14. Oh. Dear God. Um, we're counting down the days until 15-year-old Hillary Duff turns 18. Like, I don't know. I wasn't there, obviously. But I do think it is interesting now, exactly, that we have this context that it's like, maybe he just wasn't into those kinds of dudes. Maybe he felt like, this is bad news. Yeah. <laughs> Not for me. You know? He was like, don't like the vibe. Don't like, Don't the, like vibe. the way they treat women. So why on earth would he want to hang out with them for them to treat women like that? So, of yeah. course. So kudos to him, I yeah. say, uh, for being uh, uh, until it comes out, if he ever is bad in any way. But I've never heard anything bad. But that, you know, the point is for him going, something's not right with that guy. He's correct. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was correct in that. Um, also, do we know, I should have asked this earlier, um, if any other famous people wrote letters in support. We do. Uh, Deborah Jo Rupp from that 70s oh, show. no. Yeah. And the, the, what's the actor who played her husband on the show? I love that I don't know, but I know his name is Red. Yes. He was Red on the show, but yeah, I can't for the life of me think of his name. Okay, hold on. I'm trying to find the list. There is a list. There is a list. Uh, but yeah, definitely the both of them. God, that's crushing. But this is what I'm saying. Like, both things can be true, right? Like, you can yeah. absolutely have a great experience with someone who also is a bad person. In fact, if nothing else, yeah. it's like, 
those people are typically very charming. People, you yeah. know what I mean? Like narcissists and et cetera, like very charming. Like it wouldn't be abnormal um, for one of those people to uh, charm you, to seem normal, all of the above. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to find this list. Um, I also get the whole concept of like this. I had such a positive experience with this person. I, I really hope that they're not going to be in jail forever. I get that idea. Yeah. But after you know what he's been convicted of, you're still like, oh, but even then. No. No, even then. If he did that horrific thing, he should go to jail for a very long time. No matter how nice he was on set of a fucking TV show to a woman who, as much as I love Deborah, he wasn't trying to get with her. So he's not going to treat her in the horrific way that he treated, you know, for example, 14-year-old girls. Yeah. And then uh, to Mr. Mister Foreman there, who's... Kirkwood Smith. Kirkwood Smith. you. Um, to Mr. Smith, he's also not going to treat a man that way either. Yep. So even if he was the nicest person on the planet, if he's convicted of a horrific crime he doesn't deserve leniency it does feel like but that's what I'm saying where I'm like I can understand like for well listen I would handle it differently but again my point is is that it's like if you felt like you still wanted to support him to me it's like you say like hey man I still want to support you but sorry like I can't do this yeah I can't do it publicly well they didn't think that it would be public but again I'm like it's all I mean come on I, I mean, to well, me, it's like, I mean, look, for me, yeah, I'm sorry. Somebody that I love dearly gets convicted of two brutal rapes. Yeah, I'm out. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm out. Like, yeah. I guess I'll have to go through my own journey of trying to understand how I could have been duped by someone who was doing those terrible things. And that is a trip. Sure. I'm not negating that. I'm not putting that down. But you know what I'm saying? It's like, I just, it is bold to me that they would take that extra step um, to continue to, you know, calling him a role model and stuff like that is just very bizarre uh Giovanni Ribisi who's also of course a very well-known Scientologist he also wrote a letter uh I'm trying to see apparently Billy Baldwin oh because he's married to Danny Masterson's wife's half-sister China Phillips and he's with Bijou Phillips right I'm not sad to lose a Baldwin. <laughs> and to be clear, when I say lose, I mean off a list of people I may like. Yeah. I get that. Giovanni is a is a tough blow. Yeah. I'm not seeing any other famous people. There was definitely like a, a long list of people who wrote letters, but I think a lot of them were also like family members and stuff like that. Sister. Sure. sister. I love um, that I just assumed Wilmer would have written one. I was he smart enough to be like I don't want to be linked to that because I'm already not great yeah I mean I think a lot of people would (laughs) have right like a lot of people to me would have been like oh maybe even if they're not a great person I don't think it's like difficult to to realize that that's probably not the best move even if you don't care from an altruistic place which I would but even if they don't it's like interesting that people are willing to kind of like risk themselves yeah 
A man of upright values. These are some of the quotes people were saying. No. Yeah, I think that's the end of the famous people. Although there is also, I didn't get into the full deep dive, but I did see Taryn Manning was coming forward, I believe, as supporting him. Um, she's, been, she's been posting some, some TikToks lately. I don't know if you've seen them or not, but it uh, feels like there's a lot going on for her right now, and I, I wish her all the best. But anyway. Even though this isn't uh, normally how we do it, I'm going to say it. Thank you for your research. You're welcome. Look at you putting in putting in hours. Burning in that midnight very, oil. In a very small span. Uh, to bring us here today, to bring this out, which nobody saw coming. Not oh. even us. <laughs> Truly not. <laughs> Truly not. Yeah. Oh, yeah. listen, it's a pleasure. Listen, much like you you were glued to the submersive, uh, submersible, I, wow. I am glued to this story. And so, uh, yeah, it's an honor and a privilege. Hey, I like us having an outlet for our get what I'm into right now you know Heck yeah. I like that Heck where it's yeah. like if something's gonna if something's gonna gnaw at us we have a place to talk about it that's it and we thank you dear listeners for joining us for this very special breaking news bonus episode of true crime and cocktails if you haven't already give us a follow on the socials on Instagram Facebook and YouTube at true crime and Co- cocktails on Twitter at not detectives and of course go to patreon.com slash true crime and cocktails to learn more about our subscription based bonus episode service over there and the only place for official true crime and cocktails merch is of course truecrewmerch.com so check that out as well if you're interested Christy do you want to say goodnight to the people Good night, Topher Grace. Oh, yeah. Let's hope that something doesn't come out about him. <laughs>